0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next
1: adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're a boat builder in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, Louisiana, Texas, come be a part of this. You know, be a part of this. This is a very cool event. Our water is your water, it all flows somewhere. And if it's going on with us here, uh, if it's going on with you in Louisiana, it's affecting us, and if we affect each other. And we're in the same industry. And this is this is a race. This is an endurance race. It's a race against you and your product first, the other competitor second. My advice to anyone coming in for the first time is: don't worry about me. Don't worry about anybody else. Put your team together, finish it, and move from there to be competitive. But if you're a boat builder and you build, you know, a class of boat like this. There's no reason why you shouldn't be involved in our industry. It's a gentleman's handshake. The only beating of the chest, you get to wear it for, for 12 months until the next one.
2: You know, I'm proud of anyone that comes in and finishes it. I'm um, Chase Daniel with Yellowfin Yachts. My name's Heath Daughtry with Yellowfin.
3: My name's Alicia with Captains for Clean Water.
1: And this, and this is, is Tom the Tom Rowland
3: Podcast. Podcast.
4: I'm a big fan of endurance events. I like, you know, events like Go Ruck Selection was one that I trained for for probably two years and ended up doing that. It was very difficult. The Seal Fit Kokoro Camp was also something that was very difficult. I'm thinking about doing some long distance runs, some other big events like that. So I'm always kind of looking out for these endurance events. There is an endurance event in the fishing world and it is no joke. It's not a it's not an event where you try to fish or catch so many fish in 24 hours. This is one where you get in a skiff, a small boat, 18 feet or less with a 70 horsepower or less horsepower motor and you start in Pensacola. You take that boat all the way around Key West and you go back up the east coast ending in Cabin Bluff, Georgia. Georgia, it's 1,600 miles. There are two people in the skiff and you go for 48 hours nonstop. This thing is no joke and it is on the level of a lot of the endurance events that I mentioned. I mean, I don't know how much time you spent in the skiff, but 1,600 miles in 48 hours in a small technical skiff. It makes my back hurt just thinking about it. And there are people that do this every year. The people that invented this craziness were Heath Daughtry and Chase Daniels of Yellowfin. And they started out just doing it just by themselves. And year two, maybe somebody else joined year three, a couple more people. Now it's up to this is year four. And they have a few more people entering this year. It is turning into like a real, a real thing, and uh, a real event and a real race. And I have been wanting to get these guys on the podcast for a long time because what they're doing is, I mean, it's interesting. It's crazy. It's ballsy. It's just, it's just something that is super cool. And to make it even cooler, they've taken this 48 hour, 1600 mile race, and they've kind of partnered up a little bit with one of my favorite conservation organizations, Captains for Clean Water. And it's a good partnership because Captains for Clean Water has some things that two guys working at Yellowfin, they didn't have the resources. They didn't have the time. They didn't have what was necessary to make this into something more than just Two guys jumping in a boat and seeing how far they can go in forty eight hours so now what 's interesting about going around the entire state of Florida is that there would be no way that you could ignore or not experience some sort of a water quality issue in these forty eight hours. So the fact that these guys are going all the way around the state in a small skiff in forty eight hours it shows that both how big Florida is and how small it is. To be able to go all the way around Florida in a small boat is makes it kind of small, but also it's 1,600 miles. So it's kind of a big thing. And I think that bringing awareness to this issue is probably the most important thing. And that's one of the things that this race is, is doing. And man, I could try to explain this to you guys myself, but I've never done it. I would like to. I think it's very interesting. It's cool. And I could probably just jump in a boat and, and maybe do it one day. But this race is for boat builders only at this point. So the idea is that you build a boat, you put your name on that boat, you get in the boat, and you see if you'll make it all the way around the state of Florida, 1,600 miles. And as you would expect in any kind of race, it has become more and more competitive. And this conversation with Heath and Chase and Alicia from Captains for Clean Water is a conversation about just that about how this started, where it's gone, how it's gotten more competitive, and, you know, where this thing looks like it's going in the future. In addition, how it's helping the water issues of Florida. Now, there is a way that you can do uh, something. I've already done it, I uh, made a donation to Team Yellowfin. That's the team that I I pick. You can pick any team you want and by going to the Captains for Clean Water website, captainsforcleanwater.org, go to Skiff Challenge. It says uh, pick your team or support a team and when you go there, all the teams that are currently listed are signed up and you can make your donation to Captains for Clean Water in the name of that team, and it will help them to get to the starting line. It's a $5,000 entry fee to get to the starting line. So if you have a, a boat company that you particularly like and they're in the race, make a donation, man, and uh, help them get to the starting line because this thing is really cool, and it is absolutely no joke. So stay tuned for this awesome conversation with Keith Daughtry, Chase Daniels, and Alicia Downs of Captains for Clean Water all about the Skiff Challenge. All right, Miami Boat Show. Got the Yellowfin team and Captains for Clean Water to talk about the Skiff Challenge. Really excited about this one because I have heard really some crazy stories and I knew they were gonna be crazy stories because you're doing something that's truly crazy, I think. <laughs> yes, I sir. Mean, tell, so, so let's talk about what it is, the Skiff Challenge. Tell me what the Skiff Challenge is. Who wants to describe it?
1: you want to know where like it started yeah yeah so uh long long time ago a couple years back chase and i uh came up with a plan that uh for whatever reason you know wanted to kind of test ourselves test the boat and you know the equipment that was out there we you know there's a lot of tournaments that were going on and you hear guys talk about you know the guys that are winning the tournaments and stuff and they're in this boat or that boat and speaking mostly of the inshore stuff right you know and uh we said, well, wouldn't it be fun to really put the things to test, to you know, the ultimate test, you know, electronics, motor, yourself, the boat, everything like that. And uh, so we put a plan together, put a little team together, uh, borrowed a boat from a customer <laughs> and uh, and decided that we were going to go to the Florida state line of Alabama, Florida, Alabama, and get as close as we could. And our plan was to go through the uh, Appalachian area, come down the Gulf Coast go around the keys and go back up and go through the locks of Okeechobee and back to Sarasota. So we sat out and, you know, had no idea how to do it, had no idea how to navigate it or to, uh, plan for it really. So we were kind of going by the cuff and we're, our goal was to do it in 24 hours. Wow. So, so two, how many miles is that? <clears throat> that trip was going to be 1200 miles, right? 1,200 miles right in at about, 24 hours. Yeah, so you had to average somewhere around 25 miles an hour. Okay. You know, straight. So, and, um, what we didn't take into, uh, into account was all the things from Mother Nature and just fatigue and, and, you know, different things of communication with your land team and chase team and stuff. So it was, it was quite an education. We ended up making it down here, actually. And we hit Biscayne Bay, and I'd never... I'd been through Biscayne Bay and Card Sound and Barn Sound several times delivering boats and been through Florida Bay. But uh, when we hit uh, Biscayne Bay... I mean, we really just got our butts handed to us. It was about, you know, Biscayne Bay coming out of the Sound is, I think, somewhere around 33 miles to the bridge, and open water, and it's shallow. And when that wind kicks up and it starts getting, you know, pretty nasty out there, I mean, it, in a little 17-foot boat, it, yes. it's pretty huge. And uh, we ended up making it here and got over to right outside of Bear's Cut and had to pull in. Uh, we just couldn't take it anymore, and we were running out of time. Mm. We had to be back at work. you know we had to start work i think that monday and this was
2: uh this was like saturday night and to put it into perspective we were what like three quarters of the way through the trip we we were already at probably 48 hours yeah we were three quarters through it (laughs) we were we were a little behind
1: yeah so we ended up pulling the plug uh tucked our heads and between our tails and you know we loaded the boat over here at uh at sunset marina uh the little boat ramp there and you know we came home yeah but still
4: uh, that's that's so how many miles do you figure that was? That's I think what we you... ended
1: up doing somewhere like, nine. around, yeah, like 950, 940. We took a screenshot of it when we got done. Yeah. And so, you know, we were pretty disappointed, and we went back. And our thing was, you know, when I met Chase, one of the things that just, you know, when you meet a guy, you just kind of get that, you know, that weird look. And he, <laughs> I knew he had it, and <laughs> I knew dark, I had it. A little so, darkness yeah, he's in got him. He's got a little demon in him. and uh, And... Our thing was is we wanted to do it in March, you know, March, April, when those, when those storms and the wind, and it's unpredictable. I mean, you can have great weather, yeah. but you can have some really serious weather, too. And we didn't want to do it in summer. We didn't want to do it when we knew what, what it was going to be like. We wanted to do it where it was going to test us. So we went back. Um, you know, some guys did some print articles on it, and it kind of grew. And we were at a boat show. <clears throat> we are at West Palm. Actually, we were at uh, Fort Lauderdale. And I went up and approached uh, Chris Peterson with Hell's Bay. And, you know, a lot of times when one boat company goes to another boat company, you're trying to start, you, you know, just typical in our industry, you know, the, the chests get bowed up and, you know, there's not a lot of interaction. Yeah. And I'm just not that type of guy. I mean, just by nature. It's, I have no problem being that guy, but I'm just not that type of guy. Yeah. So sitting down with Chris, talking to Chris, telling him how I grew up, telling him how my dad raised me. And you know, things that I thought were really cool in the industry. And, you know, I grew up with Hell's Bay, you know, when I was growing up over in the uh, Indian River and in Lagoon, before it was the Lagoon, you know, I mean, we saw Hell's Bay and I watched that company grow and, you know, every, all the history with it and explain to him the, the types of things that I found cool and challenging and why not test yourself? And, and, you know, the, the skiff challenge really isn't a, a, a you know, if you put two guys in a boat and you say, all right, one, two, three, go. You're going to have a race. Yeah, you know, absolutely. There, there has to be a guy that gets there first. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of it, I think we had a gentleman's agreement to where, yes, we're competing, but you're really competing against yourself. You know, you're really, if you can make the whole way, I mean, it's, it's, it's something. Yeah. You know, we had teams last year that, that came in for the first time, and that's, that's what they said. And we had another team that finished it for the first time in three years of trying and it's not just the two guys in the boat it's the two guys on in the truck it's how you plan it's how you prep it's how you navigate how you handle the obstacles that get thrown at you yeah so so
4: let's just let's just kind of paint this picture a little bit because you two started it just you two and then it's grown with the help of Hell's Bay so that was year 2 and then how many people are in in year
2: 2 i think Penga came in with us the second year, didn't they? Yeah, Penga yeah.
1: came in, and unfortunately, they had some they had some boat trouble and ended up, they made it through the Pensacola East Bay area yeah. and made it into the Apalachicola River, and I think they ended up taking a hit. I'm not sure what happened to them, but it was pretty catastrophic that they ended up pulling out before they even got to Apalachicola or at Apalachicola. Okay,
4: so so year two, there's three or four three teams? teams? Three teams. Yeah. So. And then last year is year three, right?
1: Last year was... So we're going into year, year four. Years. Yeah, last year was, was year four. Okay, so in year
4: three, how big did it grow?
1: We had the same three teams. Same three.
4: So then year four, was there we some had, sort of change?
1: We had we had four teams. Okay, so you
4: picked up one, and then you also start working with Captains for Clean Water. Correct. So what does that relationship with Captains for Clean Water look like uh, as far as the SCIF Challenge goes?
3: So my name's Alicia. I'm the communications manager for Captains for Clean Water. This was the fifth year of the Skiff Challenge, and we saw an opportunity because, you know, these crazy guys are racing around the state, and we saw an opportunity to use this as a way that we can raise awareness about the water quality issues that we're having in Florida, you know, using guys who have been impacted directly by the water crisis that we've experienced. So, Skiff Challenge has grown a pretty big fan base, I think. There's social media accounts, we have Instagram and Facebook, and... There's a couple thousand people. I think there's maybe 5,000 on Facebook, a couple thousand on Instagram. And so people get pretty rowdy about this event. And so it was a good platform to raise awareness about what we're doing.
4: In raising awareness, but we're also able to... You're using this as a way to raise some money, too, for Captains for Clean Water, right? Right, correct. Like you can go and and sponsor a team or give a donation specifically to a team, and there's probably some friendly competition around who can raise the most money.
3: Right, so there's a $5,000... entry fee for each team. Okay. So that money, the proceeds go directly to Captains for Clean Water. And then each team has a um, basically their fundraising page uh, where they can get their followers and their fans and customers to support them by providing donations. And so what we're looking at doing this year is having more to add a little more competition to it, yeah. is having incentives for whichever team raises the most money. So uh, we might have, you know, if you raise... This amount of money, you get this much time shaved off at the media stop. Oh. So there, there's a required media <laughs> stop in Key Largo, um, at Jewfish Creek, and at Gilberts. And so, and in
4: that media stop, that's where people are. Are I mean, you're going to have obviously media there. Correct. They're, these people are going to have to spend a certain amount of time. Each team spends a certain amount of time so that you can. That's a good idea. So that you can right. get the word out, but also it it, it furthers the cause, right? right. Like so
3: there's a 30 minute media stop, and so. Uh, if you raise so much money, you could get 10 minutes, 20 minutes shaved off of that. And so each team, I mean, this is all still in the works. We're still brainstorming, but yeah, we might have a, to yeah. there, we'll shorten that up there, a I'm getting bit. side eyes from okay. the Yellowfin guys. 10-minute so, no. um, media stuff. <laughs>
2: maybe, maybe if you don't raise enough, you should add time to the media stuff. <laughs> yeah. So do we have some new teams this
1: year? We do, we do. Uh, haven't met the teams yet, but through, so this
3: this yeah. is the first year that we've opened it up outside of the state of Florida. Oh,
1: really? So
3: before it was correct, it was just um, open boat, to boat
4: builders outside of Florida. Right. Correct. So okay.
3: it's skiff manufacturers that are in the full time business of producing and selling a line of boats. So it's not open to hobby builders or anything like that. And so because we want to use this to spotlight our, our mission and, you know, what these guys are dealing with in the boating industry, you know, being impacted by the water crisis.
1: When we first started it, we, we first couple of years, we held it to Florida boat builders. Mm-hmm. And I think the vision there was was several things. Was number one, it was a Florida-based problem. so we thought, you know, in our minds. Um, before working with Captains for Clean Water, we did some work with CCA habitat re, uh, reconstruction programs. And we're touching every bit of Florida's coastline. So we're seeing the landscape change. We're, we're you know, going through Apalachicola, seeing the big, you know, oyster mounds and, you know, navigating that water, going down the Gulf Coast, watching the, the the landscape and the tree line change, getting into the Everglades, getting into the Keys, coming back up the East Coast. So we're, we're touching every bit of Florida, uh, all the water in Florida. So the idea came when we started uh, working with Hell's Bay of the second year is saying, "Hey, well, let's put a let's put a reason to the madness and let's do something good with this yeah. as manufacturers." So with a handshake and, you know, and agreeing on what day we're going to meet, and that's something else when we set the date for the skiff challenge. That's it. It never changes. So we set the date of April 4th this year. If it's blowing 30, raining, the morning of April 4th we gone? leave. That's it. So We worked with CCA, which was a good deal for a little bit. And then, you know, this is back when Captains for Clean Water was kind of getting momentum, you know, and and starting to grow. Mm -hmm. Chris and Daniel and those guys that are, you know, in that infrastructure, you know, running it were really gaining some ground, really doing some positive things. So Chris and I got together and we said, well, how are we going to, you know, what are we going to do? So we went out and got sponsors, you know, and, and the sponsors were just basically... I think we did like a per mile. Like you could put down, okay, I'll give you a dollar a mile, mm. yellowfin, and if you do the twelve hundred miles or sixteen hundred miles, then you know we'll pay up. And we took that money and we donated it. First year, I think we raised about eight thousand dollars for CCA with two teams. The third year it grew. Fourth year it grew. I think last year, uh, working with uh, Bon Air with uh, with uh, Captains for Clean Water, I don't remember what the final number was, but I know it was a lot more than what we started with. So we've grown that way working with captains this year was just kind of a no-brainer you know we 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 got we got involved with them last year they've grown they've got their own media they you know it's it's who needs to benefit from it you know one of the most amazing things or impactful things is you know when you the the second year we did it we came through the locks Mm -hmm. every year we've done it after that we have just navigated the entire state but when you it just so happened that year they were dumping when we went through the locks and when you go can go through there and you just look at this beautiful landscape and see that water coming out of the dams and stuff. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. To see the water change now when we run out on the outside of the East Coast. And, you know, we try to stay outside as much as we can. And you're going through Stewart and Jupiter area and these other, you know, bocas. And, you know, we try to stay pretty close to the shore. But, you know, it just depends on where we are. We're, we're probably a mile, mile and a half offshore, yeah. you know, from the beach. And you can see the water. I mean, yeah. you see the color change come up and it's, you know, that's not mud. Yeah, you know, that's that's soot. Yeah. Yeah. And so why we don't have every Florida manufacturer, you know, involved at this time, I, I, I don't have an answer. They're all really nice guys. I approach them all. But now having these guys come in, what we did was we, we saw the vision of the Skiff Challenge being Florida based problem. But then what we realized is, hey, you know what? It's not just all the coordination that we had to go through. Put two teams in the water, and they're going to run 1,600 miles, and they've got a chase team, and you've got media, and it's a lot of coordination. Yeah,
4: that's what I was wanting to, to talk about, because when you put two people together, like you said, there's going to be a race, and then you start getting more, and then it starts to become a little more organized. I can only imagine that that turns into, like you said, chase teams and support and then like shortening the gas stops and and spending less time you know you want all your time moving so how do you how have you seen that develop like from the first time that you guys did it until till now because i would imagine that that's
1: that's like a huge part of the strategy i'm gonna let chase answer (laughs) that because it is Very competitive.
2: Yeah, they became NASCAR pit stops. Yes. You know, we were looking at faster fuel cans, more coordination before we actually even start the race. You know, you basically have a plan, separated bags for your clothes when you – because from experience now, you know, you know when you're going to get wet. You know which are going to be the roughest runs regardless of the actual weather conditions. Bring a snorkel. So, (laughs) we brought – (laughs) any kind of waterproof clothing that we can, everything from like Gore-Tex full baklavas to gloves and just the foul weather gear we use has been Sims and that's been very effective for us and now our pit stops probably have gone from an average of the first year up to 45 minutes down to 5 minutes literally it's just as long as it takes for you to empty the gas Now, so your pit stops are those predetermined
4: pit stops or can you stop anywhere you want to? You can stop anywhere you want to, but they are predetermined. Oh, I mean, but by the, by, each team, they're going to plan out pre-determined, their Predetermined, yeah, and and based all on that. the range of the and boat. And so each team, probably these days, if you want to be competitive, you're going to have a chase team that you're working with and staying in communication with. And that's where your fuel's coming from. That's where your food's coming from. That's where everything, right? No, you know. right. Yeah, it's Spare a, parts. It's uh, no joke, by yeah. the
1: <laughs> I mean, 2 o'clock in the morning you've you've got a you know a fuse blown on the motor for whatever reason you're not charging your house power and you know that chase team has got to find a way to get you that fuse from whatever store in whatever two egg town florida and get it to you at the next stop so you can you can move on Well, i see the evolution of this because
4: there there'll be a day when there is nothing will be needed you're carrying basically spare parts for the entire boat every fuse every Whoa. every belt every possible thing we, is going to be in the chase that. truck that's, <laughs> that's actually how it started that's <laughs> actually ah, how no, it started no i could see the competitive fire yeah. brewing
1: and uh we uh we we figured we'd need to lighten our load right and uh, depend more on the chase team so we took all that out of the boat because one mile an hour over oh, 1600 sure. miles Matters, Yeah. So,
3: and doesn't it get tricky with repairs because you can't actually pull the boat out of the water to yeah. make re- any kind of repairs. Something goes wrong. Yeah. Everything must be done either in the water, at the dock, correct? a sandbar. So once,
1: once the boats go in the water, you can't pull them out. Can't right. pull them out. No nope. trailer nope. whatsoever.
4: You Even if you've got them. a
1: leak. Nope. If you put the boat on the trailer, you pull it out, you're done. Disqualified. Okay.
4: So my experience with endurance skiff running is probably the closest to what you're doing. Just to put this in perspective, because I don't, I don't know that, like, what you're doing is so monumental that I don't think that the general fisherman, the general person listening to this podcast kind of gets the idea of it. I can feel it in my back right now when I think about it. Because my experience as a guide in Key West was wanting to fish in the tarpon tournaments. All the tarpon tournaments are out of Isla Mirada or even Key Largo. And so, the Gold Cup or one of the Golden Flies or something like that. If I want to go and compete in that tournament, I had to fish the water that I knew. I wasn't going to go up there and compete with Rob Fordyce and and crew in their water. Like, I I wasn't that dumb, you know, to think that that I could go up there and and put up any kind of numbers in somebody else's water. So, I'm getting pressure from one of my clients. Let's fish this tournament. Let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, but, you know, we're going to have to come back down here to Key West. And where the fishing happened to be really the best that week was in the Marquesas. So every day I was leaving from Isla Mirada, running the, down to Key West, fueling up, going out to the Marquesas, fishing for whatever time I had left, back to the to Key West, fuel up again, and then go back all the way, just full throttle. And, man, at the end of that week, I decided... I definitely don't want to do that again. I mean, in a 16-foot in a boat, just getting beat up. Like, There's no doubt. It doesn't matter what kind of boat it is. If it's 16 feet long and you're going hundreds of miles at wide open throttle, you're getting killed. And you guys aren't doing that. You're going
2: 1,600 miles. In ha- and what's the time frame? It takes us around took us around forty one hours last year. Yeah, the time's
1: really gotten down. Um, I think Hells Bay finished at I want to say thirty seven hours last year, and we came in at like forty, you know, give or take on both ends. Man, I mean that just shows how competitive it's gotten. That is that yeah. is
4: just I mean seriously that is an endurance event. Yes, Un, not unlike running a hundred miles, not unlike you know a, a serious endurance event. How are you? Are each of the teams like realizing now that? You've got to prepare your body and you've got to prepare your mind Absolutely. to do this. Not only this chase truck and, and figuring out all the logistics to the thing, but you've got to be ready. Not, that's not for everyone.
1: Yeah. I mean, right now, even in the – I mean, it's in the back of my head. It's, I know what it's going to be like. Last year is a perfect example. I took it for granted. You know, I got three of these things, four of these things up under my belt. Uh, we're just going to hop in there. We had a new sponsor come in with Shockwave seats that had this compression to them. I said, man, this is going to be a breeze. You know, let's just go ahead. In my head, I was already thinking, let's just get it over with. I know what it's going to be like. I know what the first night's going to be like. I've looked at the forecast. You know, I've got, we're done. We've, all we got to do is win, you know. I think we made it. We decided to pull a little strategy and, and you know get a little technical, and we hit Pensacola and jumped to the outside, and we ran the outside the entire way, and it wasn't a great day. Um, we're passing fifty foot, sixty foot sport fish boats out fishing off Destin, and they're looking at us like you know these two guys are crazy. And by the time we hit uh, Governor's Cut up in Apalachicola, and we made we decided to make a big jump over to Cedar Key uh, from there, which is I think about one ten open water. I realized that this wasn't going to be the normal skiff challenge and that i definitely definitely sandbagged (laughs) and and it was brutal by the end of that night i paid the price
2: yeah but you have a year to forget about it (laughs) you got a
1: year to forget about it so but i'm trying to be smart this year i know what's coming every year i say this might be my last year because i I want to go out with a win and winning is finishing but winning is also being the first one to finish Understood. And so right now, my mind, my body, you start, you know, you start slow, you start walking, you start prepping, you start with Mm -hmm. your core exercises, you start, you know, getting your train, getting up early. You know, I mean, little things help. You know, I don't want to give away all the secrets. (laughs) 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 These guys have an
3: advantage for sure, having done this so many years, because two teams this year are first timers. So far, we have two that are out of South Carolina. So they've never participated. Uh, You know, they're both putting in their... 18 foot boat into the race. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll be listening to this podcast, trying to take some notes. Of
4: course, if they want to win. Is there a size restriction on this race?
3: Yes. So there's 18 foot or smaller is the size restriction. Um, it's a 70 horsepower motor and 22 gallon fuel tank. 70. 70. 70.
4: 70. So that, that makes people want to go with, like, a 16-foot boat rather than an 18-foot boat, right? Like, that's, that's interesting
1: yeah, yellow, rules there. Yeah, Yellowfin, we built one skiff. We started it, so it kind of has to fall mm-hmm. under our right. Eyes. <laughs> right. You know, we don't, you know we're, we don't have an array of skiffs to build. So well, well, the typical skiff falls under an 18-foot class. Yeah, you know, but that we, keeps it. I mean, I like the size,
4: the length restriction and the horsepower restriction because, I mean, if you guys did this in your 21, that's a whole different race. And now you're going to go with, uh, then somebody in there is with a 24, and then next thing it's a 20. Then it, then it defeats the purpose of the whole beginning. Well, that's uh, coming. Beginning. What, that, that it's going bigger and bigger and bigger?
1: I foresee, you know, talks with, you know, seeing a bay boat division come in. It's been talked about for two years. Yeah. It's, again, again, it takes the partnership with someone like Captains to, to make things like that happen. At, mm-hmm. at the beginning, when we did hold it just to the Florida-based boat builders, we got a lot of feedback. You know, we got these guys, you know, commenting on the page and wanting to know why wouldn't we let this boat company in, this boat company in, the guys out in Texas, the guys out in Louisiana, Carolinas. We even had a a guy up north that wanted to run it. What no one realized was that we were just two guys. We had full-time jobs, you know. I'm running all the inshore department at at Yellowfin. Chase is, is production manager over the offshore. I mean, we were lucky enough to take a couple days and throw this together. Chris is running Hell's Bay. We didn't have the time. We right. needed to find a hub and a home for the event. No one wanted to own it. We just wanted to participate in it. Yeah. So keeping it the Florida-based boat builders was limiting it to how many people we could really control. You know, the safety aspect of it, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can't worry when I'm doing it. I'm not going to be worried about Team X out there. I- I'm not going to see them. We're going to be around each other maybe a glimpse of one another through the whole event, but mm-hmm. that's it, you know. So I don't want that on my shoulders worrying about another team. Mm. Um, you just can't, and so you needed to find a place for the Skiff Challenge to live. And through Captains for Clean Water, we now have that. Mm-hmm. So as we develop this, now we can bring in the outside, you know, out-of-state mm-hmm. boat builders.
4: What about what about somebody that's not a boat builder, like you know Sea Deck, for instance, is is very it, involved with with captain seems like seems like somebody like that would want to get into it or somebody that you know that like tangentially is is a you know a, a afterpart aftermarket parts person or or just fishing guides that wanna help
1: as far as being involved with this gift challenge everyone's invited but but as some people
4: want some people like hear this and they're like you know I okay want to participate. that sounds like
1: yeah. the something i'd like to do chris and i um, Hell's Bay and Yellowfin, when we got together and, and we decided on year two that we're going to do this, one of, the most, one, of the, one of the most profound things I thought was that, you know, H- Hell's Bay is a skiff company. You know, they build a bay boat and, and they build skiffs and, they, you know, what they do, they do very well. We're not really a skiff company. You know, we build a skiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we build a very nice skiff and you know, complement to our entire lineup. But we build that skiff just like I build the bay boat. You know, the same technology that goes in that skiff is what goes in my bay boat. So the idea that I can showcase uh, a piece of product, that any boat manufacturer can come in and showcase their product, or showcase the motor, electronics, foul uh, weather, Group, mm. you know, whatever it might be, and do this run. What I loved about it was that when we leave the Miami Boat Show, our boat's still in a 55-gallon drum. The elephant, <laughs> the elephant is going back. Chase and I are going back, and we've got to build our boat. So Chase and I are going to build a boat and then we're going to go enter the skip challenge and then we're going to put it through that 1600 miles. And then that boat's going to, you know, go to a new owner probably somewhere or we might keep it for next year. But the idea mm-hmm. that you've got the guys from the company building it, putting their butts in the seat mm-hmm. and then going to compete in it, you know, against yeah, their, cool. against their and other manufacturers in a gentleman's race yeah, and saying, you know what? I hope all you, finish the race i hope you can feel that and and experience it and i hope it's great weather for everyone i hope you see the landscape and and the stars at night and all that kind of cool stuff i just hope i'm the first one there (laughs) so yeah but i
4: see just like you're saying you know it's coming the bay boat division's coming i see the fishing guide division coming i see something else just people that want to do this. I mean, first of all, whether you're racing competitively or not, taking a boat around the state of Florida is a lifetime experience. There's no question about it. And then, you know, what I like so much about this is Daniel and Chris and I, we did a podcast just recently about, um, we had some Everglades Foundation people with us and we were talking about things and, you know, we have this new leadership in Florida. We have Governor Ron DeSantis and he's doing some great things and the, it looks great. But my question last time was, OK, when the dead fish stop showing up on the beach, how do you maintain interest in this problem? Because it's very easy to get people, you know, when, if there's a, a giant dead tarpon in front of somebody's beach house, oh, there's a big problem. And you're getting that person involved immediately. And they're, but they're going to stay involved. Maybe they're not fishermen or bird watchers or, or whatever. They just have a house there. They're, they're a real estate agent or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're going to stay involved until the fish stop showing up. And maybe there's still an underlying problem, but it's sometimes more difficult to get those people re-engaged or to keep them engaged when it looks and appears that the problem is is gone, right? And so I think that that's one of the things that events like this are so good about, is like just keeping the issue in the forefront because Mm -hmm. what we were talking about last time is that we're at this point right now that yeah, we can probably fix these issues the point to where they're not visible, you're still going to be there. But we're at this point to where if we move forward with this and captains continues their good work and the governor continues to do what he's doing and we move forward, Florida can be better than it's ever, ever, ever been in our lifetimes. And I don't know, I just see that, like what you guys are doing and what you've created and bringing awareness to this issue in a way that someone could actually go around the entire state of Florida and and get get this firsthand in a way that, that you're not getting it otherwise. I think that's huge. 100% agree. You're
3: right. It's a challenge that we have is trying to keep this issue top of mind without being doom and gloom about it, right. you know, because every, every winter when the waters clear up or, you know, people start to forget all of the blue-green algae, and especially the northern part of the state where, I mean, everybody has their own problems, but... Thankfully, there's always so much going on with, like, Daniel and Chris. And that's what we use as, like, a positive message to still keep things top of mind is here's the progress that we're making. Here's what we're doing. And we're keeping our supporters updated on, on the progress. And so that's how we're trying to, you know, keep them educated, keep them engaged with right. with the issue without.
4: yeah, you know, one of the other things that I see this doing really well is that you're bringing this into um, public awareness that this isn't just an Everglades mm-hmm. issue that there's water issues all over the state of Florida there's water issues all over the country mm-hmm. and you know I see captains becoming a larger group that you know their focus is Everglades obviously mm-hmm. but you know you can see it on their website now mm-hmm. you're you're saying you know do you have water issues where you are and people are talking about you know up north and in different places these are different water issues that are unrelated to what mm-hmm. we're seeing but still it's super important and when you bring in this whole state and then you're bringing in boat manufacturers from other other parts it's like you know the florida economy is important to the entire yes. st- entire country not just the people that live in south florida 100% so that's I'd, super cool
3: i'd like to ask heath you know more specifically to speak to how your business is impacted by the, the water crisis just so people understand you know we are doing this for a good reason and you know it does affect your livelihood and the other skiff manufacturers? Yeah, I mean, that are out just there. in
1: my hometown. I mean, this, this past year was the worst that I've ever seen from Red Tide. Um, you know, from a recreational standpoint, as a, as a husband and as, and as a father, you know, trying to take my kids out, my wife and I trying to go fishing, enjoying our waters, going out with my buddies. It was dead. It, mm-hmm. I mean, when I say dead, Tampa Bay from From our waters from Turtle Beach north to Johns Pass into Tampa Bay into Apollo Beach, imagine just going out in your boat and seeing nothing but, you know, sweet tea water with dead fish everywhere. Mm. We'd run anywhere from 15 to 20 miles offshore till we could see any type of blue water. And, you know, I spent my summer at about 60 miles offshore and totally didn't do any inshore fishing at all. Wow. Through, through, the, through, the, uh, through that season. She's right. You know, now it's wintertime, and we've got gin clear water. And you go out the Sarasota Bay, and I can see 20 feet below. And, you know, all the fish are gone off the beach. And the big tractors on Anna Maria Island, that are there every morning cultivating the, <laughs> the dead fish up off the sand. So all the tourists can come down and not smell it or are all gone. And you're not seeing, um, uh, you know, seeing, you know, fish floating all out in Tampa Bay and on the, on the, uh, on the near shore water. And, you know, that was devastating. As far as a business, one example, you know, we're fortunate to have a lot of guides that uh, fish our product. I've got a guy that uh, fishes down in Estero Bay. Uh, he's had a real tough time. He grew up, you know, second, third generation charter captain in that area. Um, very well diverse as a captain. Uh, has, you know, a lot of clientele. Uh, his entire style of fishing has changed. He's, he's had to move offshore to make a living. I've got other guys that have talked about relocating. Mm. Has it impact our boat sales? Well, 100% it's impact our boat sales. For the guy that's coming down and buying a vacation home in, let's say, uh, Longboat Key or Anna Maria or Naples, and he's living on the water, you know, he sees this this problem that's out there, and um, maybe he's not the most experienced boater, maybe he's not an offshore guy, maybe he's an inshore guy, and we have a top-tier product. You know, our product is, is, is very well made and, and that comes with a price. So that gentleman might not decide to buy something of that, mm. of that caliber, even though he might be able to can afford it because his water's not clean.
4: Yeah, well, he also might not buy that house.
1: Yeah, and he might not take the vacations and he right. might not even the restaurants and he might not bring all the other, you know, commerce to the economy, you know, down there. Yeah, and I
4: think that's really what I've been so happy about with captains is that it's not doom and gloom. It's hard for me to get behind doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. I like someone rallying for the positive, like this. We are making changes, and it's going to be fantastic. But I think that one of the things that it has to happen too for, for real change to happen is to understand the economic impacts of of business, of real estate, of restaurants, of of charter guides, but also of of family snorkel people.
1: Yeah. Like, it's- it's a pretty big impact, and, you know, I'm one little dot on the yeah. map. So when you think about what did, you know, we, we've had red tide in Florida for, you know, forever. So it's, we all know, and through, the, through what I've learned through the scientists and the education brought on by Captains for Clean Water, having talks with Daniel and stuff, red tide's in our water. It's, mm-hmm. it's an allergy. It's going, you know, it blooms. It just blooms at other levels. You know, what they're trying to figure out is, okay, we've got this discharge from Okeechobee. We've got this problem over here. Is it an accelerator to this problem? But then in your local area, you have all these other small little problems. Maybe your city is, you know, has a sewage dump or disposal of water in an inadequate area. So all that kind of takes effect. And when we have this type of disaster, <clears throat> you know, it's not just the, like you said, the real estate, the restaurants, the charter captains, the bait shops, you know, everybody. Um, But then it's the other folks, too, because we started seeing our stone crab come in. Well, there was no stone crab, you know. And then I learned something this year, which I never knew. But uh, the migration of stone crab that come from offshore to to our inshore water during the season is mainly pushed by the migration of octopus Hmm. that kind of push them. And a lot of these old crabbers were telling me that they would start seeing octopus in their, you know, deep water traps, you know, and that would give them signs of that the, the push was coming and they and didn't so see that's those. when they
4: start moving their they traps moving. in? They when start they get moving octubus? their traps in. That's cool. So, I've never heard that.
1: And then you have the mullet guys. You know, we, we all have our mullet run, you know, throughout the state of Florida. And, and even though when it's a really good mullet run, you know, as, no matter where you live, you, you don't really like those guys that are running across your flats and, you know, chasing mullet, you yeah. know, and stuff. You know the guy that the local guy is making a living. But we didn't have the mullet run that we've had in years past. So it's a huge problem. And there's a lot of doom and gloom in there. But I think what Captain's done and in, in something that we've gotten behind is because it's that big elephant, you don't need to be another elephant. You be that little bitty creature that's just taking one bite at a time. Yeah. And as long as you just keep going and fight the fight, take that one little bite, you know, well, it'll make an impact.
4: I like that. Um, and and, and this, this skip challenge will certainly make an impact, financially, but also bring in awareness. But... I, I want to know what it's like to, to be out there in the middle of the night in a place that you've never run before. And plus, you guys decided to do this with a tiller. Like, what the hell, man? Like, do, it's not hard enough already? What? And you, <laughs> you wanted
1: to that do it like the, that? Uh, we both looked at each other one day on the second time that we did it, and we said, well, what could be harder? We didn't make it. We're going to make it this time. What could be harder than what we did before? And at the time, I had a little seventeen that I had built, and I had a little Mercury sixty tiller on it. And I said, "Well, let's just take my boat and let's just do it in a tiller." And wow! We said, "Okay, let's try it." And uh, it actually wasn't that bad. I know a lot of guys look at it and say, "You know, I can't believe you're
4: in this position." Oh right? yeah. You're, yeah, you're in this position, which is incredibly more fatiguing than being. You know, just straight up, just holding the wheel. Well, you're like, kind of
2: like, you're kind of like a human tether. Yeah. So we put a grab bar out on the gunnel. So essentially, as long as you had the grip strength to hang on, you just sort of like let your tendons and ligaments do the work. And uh-huh. we rigged up a little autopilot too with some bungees to the polling platform. So that helped on our longer runs.
4: And was that on the fly? The, that was the, on the fly. Yeah, the, yeah. I would imagine I can't hold on to this thing any longer. Yeah. Give yeah. me that bungee cord yeah. over there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty pretty innovative uh on the water uh, chase and i have you know macgyvered our way through a lot of different things imagine,
2: but, uh,
1: you know one of the one of the coolest things is being out there at night um chase could tell you a lot of stories about us being on the beach with you know out off the coast of fort lauderdale at night and waves are crashing and i mean you're 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 pretty gnarly other nights we're cruising down the gulf coast and you know it's stars are all out and you're like man this is beautiful You know, last year we made the jump from...
2: Last year probably is the best example of improvising, adapting, and overcoming. (laughs) And running at night as well because we were so far ahead of schedule because of all the adjustments we had made from previous years that we were going to be in Key West, what, like three to five hours earlier than we had forecasted. And it was going to end up being two, three in the morning by our predictions because the weather was cooperating with us at that time we were off i think we were just leaving longboat key and we were out running off the beach and so we had to get in touch with mark moss who gave us rt chaucet's phone number down in key west yeah. and uh got in touch with our team we we're like hey man we're gonna be there at two or three in the morning we were out running our chase vehicle yeah because they, they couldn't yeah. make it across right. Alligator Alley down to the Key West in time to give us fuel. But you did have communication with them to yeah. let them know how far ahead you were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I would
4: imagine there's places and situations where you're getting out of communication, right? Right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
3: And in the past, you guys would the race would kick off in the morning, correct? Correct. And this year, we've talked about, and I'm I'm saying things I don't know what's what's been confirmed, but this year we talked about doing it different because when they would leave it, you know, first thing in the morning, you guys were getting into the end point. At one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked about maybe doing an evening launch this time, an evening kickoff, so that by the time they get to the end point in Jacksonville, it's middle of the day, late morning, something like that, and then we have a big a finale event yeah. around the around yeah, that, the end sounds- that make it more of a. You can <laughs>
1: plan all you want, right. you know. Mother nature is, you know, the day of is the the morning of is when you can make things concrete, you know, or the night of, you know, it, it just depends. And we so can-
4: the first year, did you guys? Take stuff to like sleep on the boat, and, and or were you just thinking straight through?
1: No, we threw a beanbag in the boat, a big sixty-five Yeti, loaded down with food and ice and water and all this stuff, and and then I think by the second year, we had a beanbag and like a a dock line. <laughs> well, the, the, the yeah, <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we I mean, stripped we
2: had, all the gear out of the boat. Yeah, towards we, the end of the race last. That second year, yeah, the we, anchor, the cooler, yeah, we the had extra battery,
1: tools, and spare props, and hubs, and you know, food, and change of clothes, and everything. And then the second year, we were like, "Nah, that doesn't work." Wow. And uh, if we're going to be competitive, and this is if this is going to be, you know, who gets who gets done first, or try to finish, we we just basically, you know, you bring a towel or something. So are
4: you relying on cell phone communication for the most part, or do you have some other, you know, like a, a satellite thing?
1: You can you can you can get any navigation. But what ledger. do you do? I, we're uh, cell phones. Cell phones. The last two years, man, we've we've done the entire race on a naviotics app from our phones.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so one of the cool things I would think is is for people to be able to follow this, like, it, and so, that's what you're you're bringing to the table a lot,
3: right? And you guys have done that in past years with a, with the map, but every boat's going to have a GPS that's provided by captains or by the sponsor. And there's a map that we'll have up on the website. I know they've done this at least a couple years, so everyone can follow along with where their team's at. We've started a Facebook group this year where people can actually get like get in on the action. So, you know, we'll have all of the teams can be putting live updates. I don't know how much that'll cut into your time, but, you know, live streaming to this Facebook group where people can actually feel like they're a part of this as it's unraveling. So I think the map is one of the coolest parts because... People get so amped up about this, and you want them to feel like they're involved. And so we're going to have this on our website. It's so the Skiff challenge page is on Captain's for Clean Waters website. So the map will go up there, and everyone can follow along with the progress their teams are making. You should have
4: mandatory GoPro card tradeouts. Like as soon <laughs> we as do. you get in there, yeah. you, just, you just hand the card over, and, and that's then, what we
1: do. We have uh, we set up GoPros. We set up some Garmin verbs, uh, you know, on the boat, and just ran them. Uh, one would just take a you know a picture every ten seconds, another one would just be live video or not live, but you know just recording us and Then when we make a pit stop, one of the guys on the chase team that 's his job so while one guy 's fueling, another guy goes in, grabs the cards, throws new cards in, new batteries if we need them, and then we 're gone and then once he gets in the truck, what they 'll do is they 'll upload those you know with an air card, send those over to captains so that that data and that media goes straight to them. And that was, you know, that all comes through four years of doing this run, trying to get the coordination down, because how are you going to capture it? Right. I mean, you can't put a camera crew in the boat with you. No way. No one's going to get with you. You can't have a chase boat. Um, You can't have anyone bothering you. The media stop came just so we could say, all right, we've got to grab some content. So what do we do? Well, okay, there's a mandatory media stop. So every team has to pull in there, and you're locked down for you know whatever it is, 15 minutes, and that's torture. Because <laughs> last year, last year we got behind. And I'll have Chase kind of tell you what we went through from Goodland to Key West and the story. And I mean, that's just like that embodies what the Skip yeah, Challenge I is to like. Hear,
4: I gotta hear the stories. So I know
1: that it's. We had Hell's Bay right there. I mean, we yeah. were pulling into Goodland, and they were pulling out.
2: Yeah. That was shortly after we had to coordinate our stop in Key West. And we had had very good weather from probably Tampa all the way to Goodland. And the last little bit there, you can kind of cut in behind Marco and run back through, I guess, what you're getting into is the 10,000 islands towards that area. And so we pulled into Goodland and Hells Bay was just, or Marco actually, on the south end of Marco, and Hells Bay was leaving. So we made that stop real quick, probably three to five minutes, and headed out. And as we left, probably five miles into the trip, the, you could start to see their anchor light peak over the crest of the waves.
1: <laughs> I was blowing 20. Yeah. 20 knots, 22, 25 knots. So when we pulled into Marco, probably. Daniel came up to us, and he was there, and he said, Hey, man, you're getting ready to go on a ride. It's blowing 20-something knots out there. And I mean pitch black, and he could—he was driving. He could see the anchor light.
2: Yeah, it was what—it was blowing out of the south-southeast, so it was a quartering head sea from the port side, which happened to be where Heath was sitting. And <laughs> <laughs> our only pair of ski goggles were tinted, so he had those on, <laughs> and I could kind of stand up and drive on the starboard side and avoid the majority of the the river that was kind of flowing over the boat the whole way. But shortly into that part of the run you could start to see their anchor light and then eventually it became a steady glow and then i could even see the light from their gps screen (laughs) and at that point in time i was navigating with the navionics app on my phone but because of the saltwater corrosion on the charging plug i had like two percent battery i couldn't get a charge so you'd get your line zoomed out on the map for key west turn the phone off put it back in the compartment pick a star and just follow the star for what you thought might be 30 to 45 minutes and then Pull it back out all the while. Heath is calling me everything but my name, <laughs> and, and it was, it it was we, quite rough. Yeah, it was very, very rough. I mean, if it had been a head sea, then we'd have been running eight miles an hour with the bow stood straight up. Just amazing. So, it.
4: Heath, you're in a beanbag bag or on just on a cooler or what?
1: No, last year we had these uh, shock absorbers. Okay, yeah, seats yeah, you said that. That uh, they weren't made for the skiff challenge, right? <laughs> 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 we we maxed their limit out. So yeah, but, they, uh,
2: they really weren't made to hold two different people of such significant differences oh, yeah? in size. That's yeah, the problem. Yeah, yeah. So as you're approaching Hells Bay, then what happens? Well, we got we got within say a mile or two, however far it was, and we were passing a couple shrimp boats and we we're running, you know, our nav lights were so they're not very bright, so they didn't know what we were and of course we're coming across at two or three in the morning so they put our their spotlight on us to kind of point us out and see what was going on because you know i guess usually boats aren't running past them that are that tiny in the middle of the night especially in that length of water so when hell's bay turned around they must have seen us they accelerated we had to kind of slow down a little bit because we were both in a lot of pain and they they kept their lead coming into key west (laughs) man how you doing gordon
4: so they keep their lead and do they, do they just ease out of, out of sight
2: or? No,
1: no. I wish Chris was here. Cause we've had this conversation several times. <laughs> yeah. They figured out what we were doing and they cut their, they cut their, uh, GPS off. So, so we ah. couldn't see them. And, uh, and, uh, I mean, that just shows you how competitive it is. And, and I mean, you're sitting there running and, you know, we hadn't, our, our GPS was gone and Chase is navigating. Like he said, just getting a point on a star, getting a, Getting a track, looking up and saying, "Okay, I'm going to go that way." It's 110 miles from Goodland to Key West, so you know it's 110, and straight across, straight across. You know, mm-hmm. with a with a you know quartering sea at 20, 22 knots. So we hit we hit Key West. We got fueled up. I was compressed. <laughs> I mean, compressed.
2: We actually have a picture that exemplifies the skip challenge. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I was wearing a pair of. Uh, what you don't realize is how much wind. Yes. I mean, even in a small boat yeah, and yeah. you wear a buff, but one of the most calming things is just to put a set of these on yeah. and get that wind out of you. It'll, it, it rejuvenates you. And I had a set of those on with a pair of tinted ski goggles. And I just went to, I just went to a silent place. Just, just had to get there and just be okay. <laughs> Cause it was a lot of pain. And you know, and then you start thinking there's no reason that I'm out here. I mean, I'm not, I'm not getting paid.
4: Oh, there's a reason. <laughs> now there's oh, yeah. a greater There's purpose. a reason because there's but two this, boats doing is, the same thing. This
1: is what that little twitch is. You, <laughs> yeah. know, you, you go through this. Start asking why. You start asking why. There's a point. There's no one that can go through this and look me dead in the eye and say, at what point did you think, nah, 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 you know, I'm okay. I'll just, I'm going to put it on the trailer here. Or, you know, I'm well, going to stop.
4: Somebody mm- has to do that. How many times has that happened?
1: You know, we had had the one company that that couldn't make it the second year. You know, I I talk about that little thing that you see sometimes when you you meet somebody. Yeah, yeah. And one of the first times I ever talked to Chris Peterson, I mean, it just, it was there. Mm. You know, so I know he's not quitting. I know I'm not quitting. His son JC isn't going to quit. Chase isn't going to quit.
4: There's quitting, but then there's also mechanical issues. Oh, yeah. There's in, there's a hole in the boat. There's yeah. I don't know. You're peeing blood. I don't know what yeah, you, could happen. you, but
2: you do it. I there's mean, injuries. We've, we've you just had keep it in the nail on the hood. Yeah. Really? <laughs> that happened. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. yeah. Well, nobody's ever. Only one person has ever quit, but that was because of extreme health conditions. No, gentlemen, yeah. gentleman and then there's been two mechanical failures. Yeah, it's been two mechanical so that's not too terrible for I four mean, years Man though, no, this
4: is this is no joke. I don't know if the if, if I swear, this is like the most extreme thing that you could do on a boat. I'm a, I'm even thinking about another guy that I had on this podcast, Tim Crockett, he just rowed three thousand miles across the Atlantic Ocean in a similar kind of thing. He's raising awareness for for PTSD and he's rowing solo across. It's very. I'm thinking about these two things. I'm thinking it's very similar because they had uh, a situation where they're trying to figure out when they're going to land. And then they try to have some kind of celebration as, as people come in. But then they get so spread out and so far across that there's a point in there to where in his race, you can't quit. Like, it's further back than it is here. Like And, and there's nobody's coming to get you. Like, even if you... I mean, I don't. Even, you're you're so far out there that I don't even think a helicopter could come get him. So it's gonna you're going to be rescued by ship. So I mean, there's a point to where you're committed and you are super committed on this thing as as well. I guess at any point with your chase vehicle, you could just tap out. But you
1: could tap out. But you know, I mean, and, and teach the wrong. But I think my point is mentally, as uh, and as physically, and and then the equipment. It's three different levels i mean okay I'm, i lost my gps because it's been raining for 10 hours straight and it has just taken you know a, a bath and guess what it went out okay what are you going to do okay well i'm i'm not going to quit but the equipment failed or or, or you know wasn't <laughs> wasn't made for it but,
4: but chase is already i've already i'm already seeing the the wheels turning in his head what'd you say overcome improvise and and what
2: Improvise, adapt, and overcome. Improvise, yeah. adapt, and overcome. You should just write that thing. on
4: your arm or tattoo it somewhere because I'm pretty sure that has been said throughout all of these trips that you're doing. <laughs> that sounds like yeah. almost like it's your catchphrase
2: for this skiff challenge. Yeah,
1: yeah we've, we've, we've been five miles outside of uh, Yeah,
2: bobbing around
1: yeah. with a dead motor.
2: The very first real issue we ran into in all the races was... When we pulled into St. Hatchie after that one real bad front came through, and that's the first time our GPS actually failed because of water intrusion. It's the way we had it mounted, and it was the middle of the night, and you kind of had to decide, well, we don't know where we're going. How are we going to do this? Both of our phones had already gotten soaked, so we had no phones. We had to put one of the chase team members' phones in a Ziploc bag because it wasn't waterproof and navigate on the Navionics app down the whole nature coast. You know, and you know, you fished up there probably. Yeah. You know how many oyster bars there are and how shallow it I, is. I can't out, even imagine. And you're doing this at TDP. night.
1: In the rain. In yeah. the rain and at right. night. So one guy holds the foam, the other guy steers, and you're blind. And you just say left, right, 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 right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, and, straight. Uh, wow. Yeah, straight. So.
4: And, so, but, and, and you're trying as hard as you can to hug as tight as you can because the further off off the coast you get, the rougher it gets, I'm sure.
1: It depends. It's straight lines. So yeah. like when we come out, if, if, if we stop in, let's say we stop in Cedar Key and then we've calculated our fuel burn, we've set our next uh, fueling point, it's a straight line. So if that brings you five miles offshore because of the coastline, then so be it.
4: That's where, the, that's where this getting more and more competitive, I mean, maybe the first or second year you hug the coast all the way and right. have it a little nicer ride. Now it's yeah, no way. You're stay. not deviating off of that straight line. No,
1: no, Especially no with a wait- 70 no.
4: horsepower motor, yeah. because how are you? How else do you catch someone? You only catch them on a straight line if they decide to deviate
1: and running outside. I mean, that's really. If if you have bad weather, and Chase and I are always having this this conversation, is you stay outside. You know, you, you don't run on the intercoastal. I mean, wow. one, we've got a lot of no wake zones in Florida. You know, you don't, yeah, want, that's you don't a want that. Don't want that. That's a killer for our time. So. Everyone knows you're gonna stay outside as much as you can. Well, who can take it? What boat can take it? What motor can take it? I mean, last year that trip to uh, Key West, we actually, sheared off, we actually sheared off the rod holding our trim pump. And <laughs> it's like we, a
2: three quarter inch stainless steel it's a,
1: rod. It's a three quarter inch stainless steel rod that comes from the bottom of the motor mount. And basically we sheared it off on the run just because of impact and torque on the little motor. Uh, to Key West, it lasted till we hit Sebastian, probably Gilbert's, and then we, put, we made it from Gilbert's to Sailfish in West Palm, and we went to pull out of West Palm, we had just fueled, everything was okay, we didn't know what had happened, and went to get on plane, and went to go trim up, and there was no trim, it had finally, it had finally came off, and so, you know, that stinks, because now we can't, We know we can't maximize our RPM. We can't plane the boat out. I mean, we could get on plane, but it was digging, you Mm -hmm. know, so we had to figure out what we're going to do. So we tried to keep forward momentum, uh, get a hold of the chase team, put a game plan together. We made it all the way to, I think, uh, Sebastian or Titusville.
2: Yes, Titusville.
1: So we pulled in. By this time, we're on the Indian River. We pulled in. Guys went to a hitch house, got two hitch pins for your tailgate or your hitch for your truck, a drill, pull up, pick the motor up, Guy gets on the, into the water, drills the holes out, lock the motor down, put the pins in, put a tow strap around it, lock it down, phew, away you go. Wow you know it's it's, like, it
4: is it's like it's like NASCAR meets duct tape yeah <laughs> <laughs> gorilla <laughs> glue
0: <laughs>
4: so has this affected the way that you that you build a regular go to the go fishing every every you know other weekend boat like for your customers are? Are you seeing these things, well, that failed on us, you know, so now that's going to be beefier, or is this just so extreme that nobody ever
1: puts their boats through
4: these kind of paces?
1: One, again, it's a testament for anyone to put their product in there and make it. Um, You know, the last two Skiff Challenges we've done, we used the same same boat for all of them. That boat just recently sold to a customer, Um, so that's why we're building a new one. Um, Has it made any advancements for our product? I wouldn't say it's It, 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 in that respect, it has. Um, it's given us a lot of insight. But what it is doing is now being that it's getting so competitive, and you start looking at exotics. You start looking at, you know, the carbons of the world, and 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 is that bringing something in? You know, our twenty four CE, you know, that piece of fabric that we use for that boat is proprietary to Yellowfin in the marine industry, and you know. We're going on five years with that laminate now, and you know, to date, that's probably one of the most intelligent laminate schedules at any boat show. When that boat walks in the door, but now it's making us think outside the box. Okay, we've we've built a little seventeen out of that before, and it's great. But how can we take it a step further? Mm. So Chase really does a good job with researching resins, glass material, laminate stuff like that. It's kind of building a, a good education for yourself and our company that way. We've experimented on a lot of products. Chase has a 24 that we built, 24CE, and, and we built that boat out of a, another piece of fabric that was you know we tested at the time, you know threw a 400R on it and you know let it eat. And so if it's advancing yellowfin in any way, it's definitely given us the test bed to, to, to try a, a laminate schedule out and then go beat the living crud out of it. Yeah. maybe not for the performance of that boat compared to our other models but definitely on the laminate side to to, to bring on some new ideas. Yeah.
4: That's cool, man. Well, I think that this is a really, really cool thing. I think it's probably the most extreme thing that happens in saltwater fishing. I mean, you know, the kingfish guys, they make big runs and stuff, but they also have big boats. But, you know, I know just enough to know how painful this is. and. Not everybody does. And some of the people that entered this year don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And they're going to find out that it is – I mean, I, 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 man, hats off to you guys. That is that Doing this four times, doing it once, doing half of it would be pretty awesome. But, man, hats off. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it this year. So it's April 4th. Four, rain or fourth shine, hurricane, tsunami, earthquake, no matter what, it goes. It goes. It goes. All right. And how do people – how do people follow? How do people um, make donations? How do they get more involved?
3: So, <clears throat> everyone can visit captainsforcleanwater.org forward slash challenge. And so, that's where all the information is. Um, if any skiff manufacturers want to apply, we have the application online as well, all of the rules, qualifying criteria. Every team has their own page where people can make donations through there. And so, they can follow along on Facebook at Florida Skiff Challenge, on Instagram at Florida Skiff Challenge. Yeah, we're going to be out here recruiting some boat builders this weekend here on the docks in Miami. So pretty excited to get some more teams involved.
4: Well, I'll tell you what, that's a tough sell. <laughs> yeah, I, you know,
1: <laughs> I'll end by saying, you know, if you're a Florida-based boat builder and you build a boat that qualifies for this event, um, I have no idea why you're not in it. Now,
4: it, if they're a Florida-based boat builder, do they actually have to do it or could they put one of their fishing guides in the boat? or?
1: You know what, I mean, as it's growing... You know we've got we've got some boat builders out there. I mean, but we've got some. We've got we've got a. You know I can't say enough about the man. You know, Mr. Hal Chittem. You know, he built a boat and he put himself in that seat and he was there. And he did you it. know I don't know how uh, how old Hal is. He, he had he had to he had to step out of the boat in Key West. I think I think you know he had something going on. But you know he showed up. He showed up. He built a piece of product. He put his name on it. He drove up to Gulf Breeze, Florida. He put it in the water and he went to work. And you know, so there's no excuse. As we've grown, a lot of these companies have ambassadors. You know, uh, you know, pro guys, pro staff members, whatever. I'm not opposed to to those guys doing it for their manufacturer. I mean, it's only going to make the event grow. Yeah, it's a lot better when he who builds it runs it. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to let this grow, then we got to look out of the box, outside the box a little bit. But whether you're a boat builder in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, Louisiana, Texas. Come be a part of this. You know, be a part of this. This is a very cool event. Our water is your water. Mm-hmm. It all flows somewhere. And if it's going on with us here, uh, if it's going on with you in Louisiana, it's affecting us. Mm-hmm. And if we affect each other. And we're in the same industry. And this is, this is a race. This is an endurance race. It's a race against you and your product it's first, me. the other competitor second. My advice to anyone coming in for the first time is don't worry about me. Don't worry about anybody else. Put your team together, finish it, and move from there to be competitive. But if you're a boat builder and you build, you know, a class of boat like this, there's no reason why you shouldn't be involved in our industry. It's a gentleman's handshake. The only beating of the chest, you get to wear it for for 12 months until the next one. You know, I'm proud of anyone that comes in and finishes it.
4: Yeah, well, it's it's quite an accomplishment. That's super cool. What about, like, us? Like, saltwater experience. We want to get involved. Like, what... What what other than just giving money or don't, putting something up for a team, I mean, have you guys thought about how other people could support it? I mean, it's for a great cause. I mean, I don't know what we could do. We certainly have big social media following and, and things like that, but are there ways that, that other people can get involved in supporting this Absolutely. Race?
3: So, we're working on sponsors and getting, you know, people that want to be involved, the biggest thing is helping get the word out. So, like, you, for Saltwater Experience, you have a large following, and so... we want to get the word out about the race but it all goes back to why we're doing this now and so helping to get that message out we're going to have call to actions on our website uh captains for clean water and so as things are changing you know with policy and with what's going on with the water issues the more people that we can have that are helping drive people to check out skiff challenge on our website the more people that we're going to touch with that message and so i think awareness is the biggest thing for some someone that's you know not able to offer product or a monetary donation i think the reach and the awareness is is the biggest help for us and so we're open to partnerships with people and you know we're just hoping to grow this thing i can't
4: wait to watch and uh we could do a 30-minute podcast you you guys would be like it It wouldn't be very good tom (laughs) (laughs) we we are (laughs) going to be just a mic like this Oh, we're out of here.
3: See we here. are doing a mini-series out, out of this. So, oh, yeah? Yeah. So at the end of the race, we're going to you know, plan on doing a captain's roundtable, kind of recap discussion when these guys are all fresh and grungy. They're and, not going to be know, fresh. <laughs> They're not going to
4: be a fresh one fresh, in the whole group. Freshly
3: beaten. <laughs> um, so we're going to be trying to capture content throughout the race. So that's, cool. And, that's cool.
4: That's yeah. cool. Well, hats off to everybody that, that enters and has done it in the past, whether you do it again. But, man, watch out for this one. April 4th. All right, go Team Yellowfin. Thanks, Tom. You guys can do (laughs) it. Thank you, Tom. All right, man, thank you for sitting down. See you.